Sir Winston Churchill said that success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. My name is Charles Simpson Sr. and this is the Journey to Destiny podcast where my goal is to encourage you to know that it's not about having it all together, but it's about stepping into your purpose with faith in God leading you along the way. From balancing your 9 to 5 job, family time, and more, stepping into your purpose won't be easy, but I hope that following my journey will encourage you to step into yours. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, happy Friday. Today is August the 16th, and um, we made it through this week. We're here, we're in Friday. And on Fridays, I like to discuss God's Word, um, kind of like a Theology Friday. And um, today we were talking about in our in our 6 a.m. Bible study that I have a small group with other men, we're in Matthew 26. So I just want to share some of the takeaways that... Um, uh, that I've gotten from it, um, maybe some new things the Holy Spirit is leading me to understand in the scripture. Um, and we'll jump right into it. So in Matthew 26, this is the chapter where Jesus is the, the last the last moments before Jesus is taken um, prisoner. Um, he's already been really hated and um, seen as a rebel and a blasphemer by the teachers of the law. Um, and the thing is, is that he never gets contradicted. He never, he never contradicts himself. He is only stewing up the natural rebellion that's in all of us. Meaning that the truth of God's word will never come back void. But we are rebellious. We are disobedient. So we don't want to hear the truth of God's word. And the same thing with the, the, the Jewish teachers of the law. Moses was given the law of God, the Ten Commandments. They put their own laws on top of it. And what happened is they those laws became a justification of their wrongs. That was never anything that God had in plan. Um, now, of course, did he allow the lost sheep of Israel, the Jews, to do this so that it can all be fulfilled through Jesus Christ? Absolutely. It's all God's sovereignty. Everything that happens, God knew it. He knew it would take place, how it would take place. But he also let, let allowed it all to take place so that his name will be glorified in the end. So, in this, Jesus is walking around. He is fully God, clothed in humanity, but they do not like it. Because they can't catch him up in a lie or, or catch him up in a contradiction. And yet, everything that they ask him, he throws it right back in their face, catches them up. They're upset. And that's the truth of how God's word is. When we are faced, the you know, Jesus even said, the world will hate you because it first hated me. The world hates correction because disobedience and self-righteousness, our pride of self, doesn't like to be told we're wrong. Think about that. I mean, whether it be God's word or even at work, some we, we turn in a project or we do something and someone says, oh, you know, Charles, that wasn't really correct. What? Man, that, it's, it's right. You need to go do your calculations over again. Why? Because we are self-righteous. We can't, we, it, it's, we're rebellious, we're rebellious against correction. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit we're humbled to see that correction as just being, um, whether it's a correction in God's word or just correction in general, we see the love in correction and not the love of self that correction uh, doesn't like. So anyway, that's what we were seeing in the the, the uh, Jewish teachers of the law. And when, you know, when I say the Pharisees, the Pharisees are actual Pharisees. These are actual people. To this day, there are the uh, Sanhedrin who are Jewish teachers of the law who are still holding on to a false doctrine. But here's the thing. The Pharisees of that Jesus came to speak to, that's us. 
anybody that feels that we can be righteous on our own by the actions that we do, we are the Pharisees. We are self-righteous. So keep that in mind. He's talking to the Pharisees and he's not talking to all Jewish people. Do not, when the word anti-Semitism is just thrown around too much, but the fact is, is in Christians, we are not to replace the chosen people of Israel. We are grafted into Israel, meaning we are adopted into God's children. They are, we are not to replace them. Absolutely not. We are under a new covenant, the one where we are saved by faith, through grace alone in Jesus Christ. New covenant, but we are to share the gospel and good news and love to the Jews. We do not sit there and come and say, oh, you've been replaced, you know, bye-bye. No, that's foolishness. Jesus, nowhere in the Bible says that the lost sheep of Israel have been replaced by those that profess and uh, have faith in uh, faith and uh, 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 we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. No, there's no replacement theory. But the fact is, is now those that are God's chosen people need to hear the gospel to, to leave the Mosaic covenant and now be under the, we are under the, the law of the, the new covenant, which is uh, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They need to repent and put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the remittance of sin and to salvation. So anyway, so in this, we're seeing that uh, Judas, uh, where we're seeing more about Judas. Judas will play, of course, the major part of the betrayal of Christ. He betrayed him. He sold, you know, he was one of the, the disciples. He went around, did, you know, all the the, uh, the preaching and all these different things around with Jesus. But in the whole time, his heart was far from him. His heart was not fully in who he was, you know, um, even the rest of the disciples, of course, didn't know, you know, the kingdom of heaven. They thought maybe it was setting up a kingdom here on earth. They still, you know, you know, revered Jesus as a great, you know, um, man. I think it's Peter, the one that knew he was fully the son of God. Um, and where, where Jesus said, you know, praise be to the father that he gave that to you. And that's the only way that you understand that. I believe it's Peter. I believe it's Peter. But, uh, but anyway, Judas was amongst them and he was not of them. Um, and he was also truly um, misled and blinded by Satan. I, honestly, I mean, it's just just a just a, a speculation. I don't lean on this as God's word, but I do believe there was a possible possession involved in this. So when you know Jesus was saying, "I rebuke you, Satan," he knew that you were of your father, the devil. I mean, meaning that you were not just rebelliousness against God's word, but you were truly being led by Satan himself. Um, you know, not full demonic takeover, but a, a very strong delusion of of where your conviction. Basically, how we have in Romans, where you know he mentions that um, because you're not heed, um, you know the truth, and you're not heed or be uh, um, uh, sound correction, that you've been given over to a debased mind. Meaning that that conviction that the Holy Spirit puts on us is removed. And I truly think that's what. Judas was under, he had no conviction on his heart because he was truly being led by the enemy um, and, and that disconnect. But it was, remember, it was all for purpose now. You know, everything had to be in place for the fulfillment of God's prophecy. So even in, in Judas and that conviction not being on his heart, it was for the glory of God alone. You know, we don't understand it. I mean, we, we, we are God's creation. You know, and we are his creation, not all his children. You're only his children. If, if you have put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are the bride of Christ and adopted into the family, being born again, a new heart, you know, made of flesh and not of stone. 
that is when we are adopted into his family. Um, and, and we are now his children um, through his son, you know, as the bride of his son. But we are all his creation. And in his creation, um, you know, we are we, we, we are only his <laughs> we only understand. We only understand as much as the creator has allowed us to understand. It's the same way we're like the fallacy of folks in the uh, in the tech world. They say, oh, AI is going to get smart. It's going to start doing all these things. And, and it's foolishness. Because, see, the fact is, is if you anybody that understands the logic of programming language, a computer program is only capable of, 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 um, of doing what its programmer has programmed him to be able to do. And the people will say, oh, well, you know, AI will be able to come transient and it will have a, it will be able to, you know, know right from wrong. And I say, once again, foolish. Man has no rights of creation of morality. Why? Because God has given man morality. How can the creation of our creator turn around and create its creation with what it does not have? We cannot program morality into a machine. So there's never going to be a machine that knows right from wrong. But if you do study the scriptures, it will make sense what that machine will truly be. And it has a lot to do with fallen angels. But I'll leave it at that. Go to God's word. Pray on it for, for clarification. But all of these things we're seeing is for a purpose. And it's for a way of taking our mind off of what God's word says. And instead of what science is telling us what's possible. And it's not. It's not. Um, so, yes. We only know the true nature of God, the triune God. You know, we serve a, a trinity, triune, three piece, three parts, one God, one God and three unique persons. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God, three unique persons, not God, the father becoming the son, becoming the Holy Spirit. That's called modalism. It is heresy. There are a lot of false teachers in the pulpits that will tell you. God the Father came and came and he put on the cloth of humanity and was now God the Son. He left, went back up to heaven and came back as God the Spirit. No, because there are scriptures that continuously tell us. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them they'll use saying, I and the Father are one. They'll use that as saying, see, there's only one part. It's only, there's, there's the Father is the Son. No. Because the son also, when, when, um, and I'm going all off tangent here, <laughs> but when, when, um, when, when, um, in, in John, and the John is the, is a really good one to go read of when it comes to Jesus Christ being baptized and the, the, the spirit coming down and the father is saying, this is my son whom I love. You know, you're seeing all three parts in one area. You're seeing Jesus here, fully God, cloth in humanity. You're seeing the Holy Spirit come down and pour out on Jesus. And you're hearing the Father telling, this is my son whom I love. So the fact is, is how can one God <laughs> take on three entities as, you know, in unique, in unique times. But in this one situation, we're seeing all three, all three present. So there is no, there, there is a. One God, three unique persons. Do not allow anyone to tell you that the Father became the Son, became the Spirit. No. All are unique. So, uh, back on topic here.
So in Judas, we see, you know, the plot that's getting ready to take place. And, you know, Jesus here as they are doing the, um, the Passover and they're getting ready for the Last Supper. Um, you know, Jesus comes forth and as he's gathered with the disciples, he tells them, like, one of you are going to betray me. And each disciple was saying, well, is it me? Is it me? And then, you know, we see in this that it was, of course, all for a reason. But we see that Judas, you know, on, and around verse 25, Judas would say, you know, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus said, you have said so. And he even told him at that moment that, yes, you will betray me. But there was no conviction on Judas's heart. And this was lets me to be, you know, to lead that he was either definitely under a strong delusion directly by Satan or, you know, he's been given over to a debased mind. The conviction on his heart was gone. Um, the you know right from wrong conviction. But nonetheless, I mean, think about this. You know, a, a man that, well, you know, it's God, but to them, you know, only Peter, I believe it's Peter, that knew that he was truly the son of the son of God, um, that, you know, he would tell you, like he basically said, one of you betray me. And you would ask, he, he asked Jesus this and Jesus would say yes. But even still, he went through with what he set out to do in betraying Jesus. And that to me is just just amazing um, that, that, you know, there was no conviction that could, that could even go there. You know, we're convicted from right versus wrong. Um, you know, the same thing that was set up to be our curse back in Genesis, where, Jesus, you know, God said, do not eat from that tree. You'll know from right from wrong and you'll die. Our curse is actually the way that our hearts are convicted by the Holy Spirit leading us back to Jesus Christ. And to, you know, and we've had that long before the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out um, onto man. And that right from wrong, we knew since the beginning of time. But here it is that Judas, just that right from wrong was gone from him. And that to me, that's the most scariest thing that could ever take place, that, that conviction of the heart being gone. So anyway, in the Lord's Supper, you know, you know, we go here and this is why um, communion, you know, is, is a is a is a um, big part of of, um, you know, Protestant belief as even even in the Catholic Church, you know, they do it for them. It's totally different for them. It's actually they there. They actually I can't remember the name of it, but the priest blesses it. It's actually becomes and symbolically to them the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ. Like they literally are, are eating his flesh. And I, that to me is just absolutely sick. And there's some false teaching in the Catholic church. Like I can go over that another day, but you know, test every spirit. Every spirit is not of God. Um, but in this is symbolic, you know, when we, when we have communion, it's, you know, take eat the bodies to remind us uh, of his sacrifice that he was pouring out, um, for us, you know, on on the cross, and we just take it in remembrance of Him. That's why I usually say, you know, take take us and do this in remembrance of me, Jesus Christ. So, but anyway, this is the Last Supper. This is basically symbolic because this is the last time that Jesus will be with all of His disciples together um, before He goes on um, to take, you know, drink of the cup of wrath that His Father will have to pour out on Him, um, but also the love that He showed us through that sacrifice because the wrath that was de we were deserving to receive he would take it on our behalf um so this is the last supper you know and even here like i said knowing what judas is ready to do you know he broke bread and gave it to him he still ate with him he still showed him love knowing that he was going to be betrayed um you know not to me i just just thinking of that and of course in you know my flesh and 
in you know my fallen state. I mean, this is God, God wrapped in humanity, but He was not cursed with the damning sin like we are. Um, but just still thinking that in my my you know carnal, I would say my carnal, my flesh, and thinking about that, it's like it's just amazing to me. Um, that level of sacrifice, that love that He would go and show Judas despite him um, betraying him to the core. So from there we go on, and you know we see that. Um, you know, Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And, you know, it's, it's really big with Peter because, you know, he would say, you know, you know, you know, Jesus, I would never betray you. <laughs> and it goes back to what we have in the Old Testament of just make, is telling us not to make vows. You know, make your yeses, your yeses, your noes, your noes, but do not make vows because, honestly, that's a covenant that you're entering into. And there's only one covenant that we have, and that's a covenant with Jesus Christ to be saved by grace through faith, as well as our covenant in marriage. That's the only covenants we're making. Those are the only promises that we're making. But when we tell somebody, you know, we give them our word in that level of, of, of a covenant, which it is, it's a promise. It's, a, it's a, almost like a, a verbal contract as far as what I'm going to um, fulfill on my end. That's, you know, we just don't make vows, you know. And just to say somebody saying, hey, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow at six. That's not a vow, you know. But to sit there and say, I vow to you that I will fulfill blah 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 you know things like that it's just certain things we don't enter into that level of agreement on because we know in our fallen state we can't fulfill it um, but that covenant only covenant that we we are bound to that we are going into is our covenant of marriage um, you know man and woman but then also our covenant um, with Jesus Christ that comes through us also being the bride of Christ by being saved through grace um, through faith alone so in this, you know, Peter is saying, I would never betray you. I never betray you. And of course, this is Jesus, this is God. You know, um, he knows that, yes, you will betray me. And he said before the crow, before the crow, um, before the uh, the sound of, I'm sorry, I say the crow, before the rooster, um, you know, makes his, you know, you know, does his sound, I can't remember what it is, um, you will betray me. You know, you betray me three times at that. <laughs> Not just one time, but you will betray me three times. And then, of course, Peter, you know, is like, no, no, impossible. So, but of course. Um, so anyway, and then from there, we see Jesus go to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the last time he'll pray. And this is one thing that's really big for me is because in this, we know, you know, there's a lot. There's some people that feel that, you know, once again, false teaching. Um, they, if it's not the modalism where they say it's one God that takes on three shapes, um, that takes on three, three different persons. Um, instead of one God in you in three unique persons, there's the other one that that they're mentioned, and I know a lot of it. And I believe it's Jehovah's Witness um, or Mormon, one of them, where they mention that um, Jesus is a creation of God, um, basically meaning that he is not God; he is a creation of God. Um, he lives a righteous life here on earth. Therefore, he is able to attain God standings when he um, dies. So all of that absolute heresy. Um, Jesus Christ is God. OK, we will never understand the Trinity. So I know a lot of people just feel like they can understand it. Think about a computer program. A person that programs a computer program can only program it based off of what it gives it. It cannot become and take a mind of its own. It is a creation. We are God's creation. We will never understand our creator. Even when we're in heaven, we may not ever still understand the power of the Trinity or the triune Godhead. We may not ever understand it. 
But once again, we praise God and all of his and all of his persons. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is God. And we acknowledge him as such. Um, so anyway, in the garden, I think this really hits me because even though Jesus Christ is fully God, clothed in humanity, we see a moment, not of not of doubt, fear, but we see a moment where he says sorrow, where it's 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 the thought of the painful death he's going to have to take. He loves us enough that he will proceed. And we also see that there's never any disobedience. God is perfect, but he is clothed in humanity. He's not cursed like we are, where we where we need only his blood to be made right. But he is a man. He's clothed in humanity, meaning he still feels what we feel. Which he still is feeling, not not afraid or scared, but he's feeling like, man, I really don't want to die a brutal death. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I know I got to go get some shots, I'm, I know I got to get them. I know I got to go do it because it's for my good. But I'm still going to be like, man, I do not feel like getting these shots. And that's what we, we see Jesus and we see this moment. But the powerful thing that he sees, he does and he shows us is that we always go to the Father for comfort. See, when we pray, we pray to the Father. We don't pray to Jesus. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father because it's the Father is is the is the Father. They're all God, all God. But we pray to the Father in heaven because he is in heaven. He is the one we're praying to because the Holy Spirit is here all around us. Um in, in moving through us and everything around, leading us back to the sun. And then through that right relationship with Jesus Christ, um, we, uh, we, we stand as the bride of Christ to be presented to the Father um, when, in, when, you know, when we leave this body. And if anything, if it, when I'm sharing this, I don't want to, uh, let me be very clear, I'm, I don't pretend to be a theologian or some learned uh, pastor or anything like this. I have a passion to study God's word and I just want to share what what's on my heart what I what I study so I don't ever want to seem like I got it all together I got it no you know John 16 13 says the Holy Spirit is what leads us into all truth and understanding the Holy Spirit is going to forever reveal truth and understanding to us until we breathe our last breath so I don't ever want to make it feel like when I share any levels of theology on this platform or any that I, I got it all together. No, I'm only sharing what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart to share. And I hope, and I hope, I hope in everything that you hear, it is for the glory of God alone. And it's always in proper context. If I'm ever got something wrong or I, I miss it, please let me know. That is love. I don't, I don't rebuke or, or push off correction. I love correction. I love correction, especially correction of when God's word, because that to me is a brother or sister. It's of course in proper context. I mean, don't, don't come on and say, Hey Charles, man, uh, you know, Jesus is not God. Yeah, then I'm gonna shut you down because I'm not. I'm not going for that. If you can't correct me in the in the in God's word, just have a seat. Um, but please, please, by all means, in in, in proper context and, and using God's word, please correct me. I, I love correction. I may be wrong in something, but that's the only way that I can get more clarification, and understanding regarding the the truth of God's word. If I'm if I'm a little off, then just share it with me. So anyway, quick commercial break, but I'm back. Um, so. But in this, we see Jesus going to the Father. And that's one thing that speaks to us. Whenever we are low, whenever we are down, whenever we just feeling like things are just not going our way, we have to be fervent in prayer. Um, this week was a perfect example of that because my prayer life, because I, I mean, I've been studying my word, but it's it's studying the word. Like One of the brothers in small group this morning, he, he nailed it perfectly. He said, it's you can't eat and talk at the same time. You can't eat and talk. In the, I'm sorry. You can't eat. Yeah, you can't eat and talk at the same time. Um, uh, meaning that 
um, no, I'm sorry, I, I got that wrong. You can't eat. I think you say eat and pray, but the whole point was that we we are to consume God's word, meaning that our God's word is the food that we should desire every day. But then when we're talking, and then when we're, um, um, you know, bringing it back out, that's where our prayer life comes into play. So you we 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 study God's word, okay. But then we also pray. It's a back and forth thing. And what we're doing is we're praying and saying, you know, God, um, with, through the power of the Holy Spirit, show me, you know, your will. Let your will be done through me. I mean, even the Lord's Prayer, like I said, if you have a hard time knowing what to pray about, use the Lord's Prayer as a template as far as what we pray about. You know, our Father who art in heaven, you know, it's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the things you're praying for is for God's sovereignty, not as a genie for us to go to him to say, God, you know, give me this job. You know, you say, God, let your will be done through this job search. Put me where, put me somewhere where I can elevate your name above all names. You know, he has to be first in all that we're praying about. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, but Jesus goes to Gethsemane and he 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 um, he goes to pray. And of course, you know, he he brings Peter and um, the two brothers with him and they fall asleep. And he's like, hey, you can't stay awake for, for an hour while I go pray. And he goes back up. He prays three times. And, and the thing about it is he says, you know, Father, if 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 you can take this cup from me, then do so. But if not, I'll still continue forward so that your will be done. So it's like he has this sorrowful feeling, but yet he's still pressing forward. Um, for the for the 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 task at hand, and the biggest thing is I just love because he goes to the Father um, as far as getting that I would say download that 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 um, that recalibration that we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to um, get focused back on what He would have for us to do, and that goes for everything in our life. I mean, when it comes to our marriages, our children, our work, um, et cetera, et cetera. We need to always be going to God in prayer um, and studying our word because, you know, a lot of people would just say, well, just pray, you know, have a spiritual relationship. But the fact is, is we have to study um, our word because the fact is, is Satan comes as an angel of light. He can deceive you in those prayers, not saying that, you know, I mean, in those prayers, um, you know, it's spiritual. So the fact is, is how do we know that it's not um, Satan intercepting um, some of our prayers and giving us false false task and etc etc through God's word everything that we do in prayer that God convicts and and, and and confirms on our heart he'll do it through his word um so anyway let me wrap it up here I don't want this to be too long so um so anyway they're in the in the in the, the garden they come back down and then it's time the betrayal comes um so you know and Jesus says the son of man uh is betrayed into the hands of sinners it's that hour it's time to go so he gets Peter and um, the two sons of Zebedee, that's who it was. And they go down because he knows it's getting ready to happen. So when they get down, um, Judas comes. And, of course, the, the symbol was, you know, the one that I kissed on the cheek. He's the one that needs to be arrested. So they come down and, um, you know, I, you know, Jesus, he, he comes down and he calls out, hey, greetings, Rabbi. And then he kissed him. I mean, like, how do you greet him ex- exciting in an exciting way, knowing that you're getting ready to betray him? That, that just blows my mind. So, but even, um, you know, even though he, he did that he, and he kissed him, um, and at that point, um, you know, Jesus says, you know, you know, don't, don't, don't greet me, you know, just do what you came to do. I know you're a snake, you're a serpent, just do what you came to do. And the, the guards, the, I mean, sorry, the, um, 
what is it, the, the guards for the rabbis, the teachers of the law. This wasn't the Roman centurions, because they haven't turned them over to the Romans, the centurions yet, but these were some of the teachers of the law had their own little guards. So, um, you know, they, they came and took them, and basically, at this point, um, I believe it was... Um, Uh, or one of those that's right right. one of those that were with Jesus came out you know struck him with the sword and Jesus said you know you live by the door you die by the sword basically showing us that look we don't fight for the word of God with physical means you know our battle is through praise and worship and God's word so he was pointing out to say that look he put a sword on him and then you know Jesus healed that healed him right then and there because he wants to let it be known like look you know the sword that you have is only because that the prophecy has to be fulfilled that I will be you know, Jesus knows that I will be um, captured amongst rebels because, of course, uh, now I want to say of course, but during that time in Roman era occupation, it was illegal to carry a sword in Roman occupied territory. So, of course, with with, um, you know, some of the disciples having swords, they were now rebels because you're going against Roman Roman law. But it fulfilled prophecy because in this, Jesus said, you know, I will be um, um, uh arrested or, or or transgressed around um, the rebels, basically sinners. So it was all, for, all to fulfill prophecy, and that's what it came down to be. So anyway, um, you know, Jesus was taken away. He was taken away, um, and then at this point, you know, he goes into the Caiaphas and some of the high priests, and they start grilling them, and they're getting mad because basically they want him to have a full, uh, a full, um, uh, a full example of blasphemy so they can have full rights to kill him. That's all he wanted. They wanted to have a, a complete reason to say he's blasphemous, he's a blasphemer, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's a, he's a part of the Beelzebub, blah, blah, blah. So that way they can have a reason to kill him. But this is God. <laughs> you're not going to blast. You're not going to have, you're not going to get, you're not, you're not going to, to catch God in hypocrisy. It's impossible. So everything that they tried to throw at him, he threw right back at him to catch him up. And then, of course, he, he ended up just becoming silent. So that way, you know, that just made him even more upset, um, you know, making them tear. They were tearing their own robes because, you know, they wanted him. They, they wanted him. They, they were so, offend, so offended in their, in their self that they just missing who he was completely. So anyway, they just basically went forward and says, you know, he deserves death, even though it was not justified. They had no reasons for just for for death. That's why man's justice is no justice at all. Only God's justice is fully just, which is righteousness. Um, even to this day, we see it in our today's society. It's the Supreme Court, regular, regular um, judgment, all that stuff. It's, it's hypocrisy because man's justice is not righteous. It's only God's justice is righteous. So, you know, that's the hypocrisy that we see even to this day. So anyway, we get to Peter being denied, uh, be, Peter denying Jesus, like he said. And the thing, the thing about Peter is so interesting because um, he, he, two, two, the, two out of three that he, that he denied Jesus with were two little girls. So the fact is, is he denied Jesus in front of little girls. That's how much that, you know. He was trying to save self and just did not want to, you know, be associated with it. He wanted to save his own life because at the end of the day, he made a vow that he could never keep. Jesus knew this. And of course, later on in, in the next couple of chapters, um, he would use this to restore Peter back. And then, of course, Peter would be there at the day of Pentecost and in the rest of history. But, you know, he he denied Jesus three times, two to two to do two times 
to two different little girls and then the last was to the crowd and then that's at that point he heard the rooster crow and he knew that he went away weeping because he's like man that truly was i think at that point he knew that this was that's not a man that was god and i just i deny god you know and that's with us is that we are denying god and we're not putting um forth the understanding of who he is you know bible says that if you're ashamed of me I'm here on earth. I'll be ashamed of uh, you, my father in heaven. So that's all it was. That's all of chapter 26. And um, hope you got something from it. Um, pray on it. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit leads you to more understanding. And, um, you know, let me hear what you thought about it. Share me some insight around that as well. So talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Destiny podcast. I hope that the content is applicable and encourages you to step into your purpose. I would love to hear from you, so please connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at CSimpsonJTD. Visit my website at CSimpsonJTD.com or email me at Charles at CSimpsonJTD.com. I have a heart to educate, so please feel free to reach out with any questions that you may have about this journey or leveraging technology when it comes to your purpose. Until the next episode, talk to you soon.